Welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jody Henke. This podcast is brought to you by FMC. Every new year brings anticipation and hope to our nation's crop producers. Successful Farming's Mike McGinnis talks with Al Kleiss of Kleiss Advisors about the expectations and factors that could play into the farm markets in 2022. We are going to be talking about a number of topics. Uh, number one, the 2022 grain market outlook. And under that umbrella, Al, a lot of things fall. We're going to be uh, trying to pick apart the uh, corn and soybeans mainly. We can also talk about wheat as well. But as we head into this new year of 2022, farmers have a lot of decisions to make. And maybe they've already made some of those decisions, but it seems like the goalposts keep moving on them. I think mainly it's about the fertilizer prices uh, and the input costs, but I'll let you talk about that. But let's start off. Just give me your feel for how we ended 2021 and what it looks like as we head into 2022 regarding the farm markets. First of all, do a little bit of um, compliance work that I am a series three commodity broker and whether I'm doing a seminar, webinar, podcast, I have to let the listeners all know that if you're taking this advice, trading futures and options, there is the risk of loss. And also I'm a series three broker with Wedbus Futures. What I'm saying today represents what Al Kleist thinks, not necessarily Wedbush. So I think I've got my compliance taken care of. (laughs) Now, to answer your specific questions, Mike, we ended up 2021 with a lot of volatility. We're looking at changing weather conditions in South America. Uh, We're looking at rapidly changing fertilizer and input costs. And even there's some question about the availability of being able to get fertilizer delivered when you need it and also some of the different crop inputs. So we have higher prices and higher profits. I did some meetings in late December and it was unusual to talk to farmers that this year we came into the fall harvest with very good futures prices, good basis levels in most areas, uh, really good crops. So the revenue per acre is there. The real frustrating part for a lot of farmers is they look ahead to next year, paying anywhere from 5 to 10% more rent, input costs jumping by, I've seen 12% up to 20%, that when you look at the new crop board prices hovering around 540 to 550 December 12 corn, around 1240-1250 November beans, there, there's a slight profit in there, but it, it's not all that great. And you have to really crunch numbers, manage your inputs very carefully, and the pricing decisions that you make. And so I think that a lot of farmers were able to get inputs bought in the third and fourth quarter back in 2021. And certainly the earlier they bought it, the better those purchases look. And so for the remaining fertilizer and other input costs that they have to do, I'm suggesting patience. Uh, we're seeing the natural gas spiked up to 650 per BTU in October. Uh, recently, it's dropped by almost half. And so I know that fertilizer prices are not going to come down immediately because natural gas prices has gotten a lot cheaper. But I think they're going to see the trend in the next spring of more availability and eventually by the third or fourth quarter of next year, lower costs. So some of the farmers that I've talked to that want to plant corn, didn't want to pay up for the expensive anhydrous, are looking possibly at side dressing next year. Well, let's pick apart the... uh whole issue of the fertilizer prices skyrocketing, some of the reasons why and uh, what power that uh, farmers have in this kind of market. Because I know for years you have talked about there are some things that you can control as a farmer as far as locking in prices on inputs. And there are some inputs that farmers don't have control over. 
I think it's industry-wide known that the uh, seed prices are out of the control of farmers. Farmers have very little control of locking in those seed prices. But LP prices, there's a little more control there for farmers to, to lock in those prices. The fertilizer prices I want to talk about now, I think in the past, the farmers, the ones that do forward price and lock in some of those inputs, maybe have had a little more control than they do now. But I want to have you address what are some of the reasons why the fertilizer price has shot up? And uh, there are rumors out there as to why we're at these high levels that we are. But I'm curious, uh, what do you hear? I think there's uh, three major things I'm looking at, Mike, with a, kind of a perfect storm that all came combined together. First of all, we're seeing uh, very high new crop wheat and corn prices. And so this has affected the acreage intention, not in just the U.S., but around the world. And so you look at Ukraine, Russia, India, Eastern Europe, all of those countries are really ramping up production for next year. And that's coming. So there's a big increase in the demand for fertilizer across the world. So the demand is there. At the same time, you had some energy problems that really started in Europe and moved over to the U.S. The price of natural gas at some of the hubs in the Netherlands jumped by 800% in a matter of three months. And so a lot of the, the anhydrous, some other natural gas that was scheduled to go to fertilizer <clears throat> manufacturers <throat> instead was diverted <clears throat> over to home heating and heating of commercial buildings. So you had this uh, out of nowhere natural gas price explosion. And then a lot of countries are becoming very concerned about their own domestic food inflation. China, Belarus, Russia, all large exporters of fertilizer, especially phosphate. And all of a sudden they started saying, hey, if our fertilizer prices and food prices are going way up, we better restrict our exports to keep more of that supply at home, make sure our farmers have got adequate fertilizer supplies for 2022, that they grow good crops so that we can grow as much wheat and other food grain and feed grain as possible. So that you take the combination of increased demand, explosion in natural gas prices, and then also the, some of the export restrictions that were put on by some of the countries that typically export a lot of fertilizer into the United States. And all of those just uh, basically tripled the price of anhydrous in about six months. There's a group of farmers that uh, are trying to find out if there's you know some manipulation of prices. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the, the government may be trying to look into that. For those listening, we're speaking with Al Kleiss of Kleiss Advisors. And uh, this is, you know, for the listener, it's probably fair for them to know that this is being recorded towards the end of the year of 2021. So a lot could happen in the first of the year as far as the government or anybody else looking into why the uh, fertilizer prices have gone as high as they have. And I think those areas that you just covered seem to be the reasons why most people believe that the uh, fertilizer prices are where they are. I might also mention that some of the sources that I've talked to have mentioned that natural gas here in the U.S. has been exported quite a bit because of the demand worldwide. And those that produce natural gas can make more money across the world. So yeah. they're naturally going to you know, ship it out of here to make more money. And that might play into it as well. 
That certainly is a good point, Mike. I think a lot that LNG, liquefied natural gas, they've got the big tankers down at Galveston, Texas. They mm-hmm. load those ships and send it overseas and they're buying it at three or four dollars for B2U, shipping, selling it over there for eight to 12. So there's some good margins. And I don't really blame people for doing that. They're in the business of making money on natural gas. So we produce a lot of grain and ship a lot of grain overseas, which causes higher prices. You have to let the market forces work. But I agree that there should be some investigations into that because if natural gas prices go lower and stay lower, eventually, I would think that market forces should drive the price of nitrogen fertilizer lower. And if they don't, I'd sure like to know why. How 2022 profits will play out is anybody's guess. But when we come back, Al will break down his predictions for corn, soybean and wheat markets. Stay tuned. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Let's take a look at the... Uh corn market first off and its outlook for 2022. Let's start with the first half of the year, a short-term outlook if you could. If you've had a chance to look at the factors that might play into moving this corn market, frankly, we end the year fairly strong with the uh, new crop 22 contract trading around 545 or 546. As I've talked to some farmers, even in South Dakota, their basis prices, as you mentioned to start with, the basis prices is pretty strong. I mean, really strong. It's uh, sometimes over a dollar under the uh, Chicago price, but yet they're seeing some very firm basis prices at the end of 2021 anyway. We'll see if that lasts into the, to the new year. But my point is the farmers have, have had some pretty good opportunity to price corn at the end of the year. What will happen as we start here the first couple of months of 2022? There's several really key dates that we're looking at, and that'll be right at the end of January when you get that first report from the government on grain stocks and final crop production. I think there's a good chance uh, when you get the report, I think it's on January 13th, that we might see a slight uptick in harvested acreage in both corn and soybeans in that report. So that'll be important to watch. I think uh, the real day-to-day market factors, I kind of sit glued watching the radar in South America in the extended weather forecast. And again, this year, they started out with really wildly optimistic projections for the size of the corn and soybean crops in both Brazil and Argentina. Many private analysts, people that I respect, have taken now some of the big forecasts for the Argentine crop down initially and the Brazilian crop down as we've moved into late December and early January. A lot of this is just kind of uh, something to talk about uh, each day. The real key weather period right now is from the middle of January through the end of February. Think about in the U.S., the weather from the middle of July through the end of August. So that's mid-January to the end of February in South America. So day-to-day, week-to-week, you know, are we going to pop the corn market back up, you know, to 650 to 680? I don't think $7 realistic. But if we have weather problems in South America, they need to get the soybeans harvested early and get the double corn planted on time, something that didn't happen last year. 
in about two thirds of Brazil, it looks like going to have a very early soybean harvest and set the stage for a pretty decent double crop corn mm-hmm. market. So it'll be important to watch that. And so the weather in South America is going to be the driving factor. And then we have the major USDA reports on January 13th, January 31st, and then looking ahead to March 31st. So there's a, a lot of moving pieces in here tied to mm-hmm. international markets. The potential conflict in the Ukraine is real wild card. I think that I hope it does not happen for humanitarian reasons. But as I work advising farmers managing risk, I have to look at if it does happen, what's the results? And so it's a black swan event. It's a wild card. Personally, I think it would be short term. It would be quite bullish. You'd probably take prices sharply higher for a few days. But long term, the toll that that would take on our U.S., in Western Europe and global economy, I think would be pretty negative to both the stock and commodity markets. And I also hear that Ukraine is expected to export a lot more corn this year to China. So that would cut into our market share a little bit. We've been trying to get more corn over to China, obviously, but uh, if they have that market locked up and like you say, if something does happen between Russia and Ukraine, then that could maybe change things. We'll have to keep an eye on that. The demand here in the U.S. for corn for use for ethanol seems to be at a pretty nice level after plateauing for a little bit. Ethanol plants are making some decent money. And uh, so that could play. And of course, um, everybody's talking about the big elephant in the room. It is going to be the acreage adjustments, And we'll get to that in just a moment. But let's go to soybeans now. What seems to be the outlook for soybeans as we head into the uh, first couple months, uh, first half of 2022? It's similar to corn in that the domestic processing margins on soybeans are really, really large. So the people that are crushing soybeans in the meal and oil have near record profits and they can go out and lock in good board profits all the way out. So the domestic demand, crushed demand is very strong. Exports have been okay, but certainly disappointing compared to last year. And also with the early harvested soybeans in South America, typically Brazil would start having beans available and compete with us in February. It looks like that's going to be two to four weeks earlier this year. So right now, if you're a global soybean buyer and you're trying to line up your needs for January, you're probably not going to be buying U.S. soybeans. And so I think that seasonally, we used to have a, a seasonal odds chart, Mike, that you bottom soybeans in the month of October. I've always been talked about bottoming soybeans during the World Series. I've written about that quite often. Then you would generally trend higher to a peak in late May, early June, and then you'd roll over and you go down into October. Now that pattern is evolving into more of what I would call an M, where you still have the October lows, actually it came in August of this year. You go up to a December, January high. If you've got big crops in South America, you pull back in that harvest to a February, March low. You get a secondary high out into May, June. So the question is for a lot of growers, do you want to hang on to very much inventory into that Brazilian harvest when there's no carry in the market and odds are our exports, which are disappointing now, are going to really drop substantially. When the crushers are the only people that are bidding for beans, Mike, I don't think you're going to keep the futures price up here at 1280 or 1290 a bushel. And so the outlook, unless you have weather problems in Brazil, I think is, is not all that great for soybeans. And we've got a lot of beans sold. We've got some 22 hedges on. And with the futures alignment right now, they're not paying you hardly anything to store beans. I'd rather see the guys just cash in all their beans, buy some August soybean calls or bull call spreads, take the money to the bank. What do you want when you're farming? Do you want a good crop? Do you want a good price? Do you want a good basis? You got it all. 
Don't make this harder than it has to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. Take the money to the bank. And if you want to, you know, participate and hope that beans are going to shoot up to 14, 15 or $17 this next year, you won't keep the current good basis you have in place. Those calls or call spreads can add to the profitability of your farm in the event some black swan event comes along and you take soybean futures, seems funny to say this, all the way back down to $10 a bushel, you're going to lose that call option premium. But you're going to be glad you sold those cash beans at 12 or 12.50 a bushel. The loss in the call options is pretty minimal. So not only talking about market outlook, but what is the right financial move for your farm? What's the right grain marketing move for your farm? And uh, a lot of these people, I'm afraid they're making it more complicated than it really needs to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you hope that they don't get lulled to sleep with the strong markets that we've had and uh, think that they just don't have to do anything and just let this market keep going up because it always, it always won't go up. Real quick on the wheat market. It's interesting. Years ago, I had an analyst always, he'd always say, you tell me where the corn market's going. I'll tell you where the wheat market's going. And this past year, we've seen the wheat market as the leader a number right. of times. Do you see that in uh, 2022? And w- what's your outlook here? for the first uh, couple of months or so. Okay, um, the band is certainly there. Uh, we're in a very much tighter stock use ratio than we were a couple of years ago, but it's still, when I look at wheat, corn, and soybeans, we have a lot larger supply and a lot larger projected ending stocks of wheat in the world, in the US, and the major exporters and what we've had. So we have um, a lot of this year's wheat sold. If we would take uh, the Chicago or Casey wheat futures back up in the area of $9 a bushel, I'd probably move to at least 80% sold on wheat. I've been looking at the July 22 wheat futures up in the area, up over $8. We hedged a bunch of it. If we get another shot up there, uh, selling $8 wheat ahead has just about always worked. I'm looking and expect USDA indicated this too, Mike, about a 5%, a 1 to 1.5 million acre increase in winter wheat in the U.S., at the harvest of 2022. Spring wheat, we have a lot of customers up in North and South Dakota that have went pretty much 100% corn and beans, but they're going to take a quarter or half section and plant spring wheat. A lot of those guys have got it hedged up over $9 a bushel into the September, December 22 Minneapolis wheat futures. If we would tank wheat into February, March, they've said they'd take the gain on that hedge and then plant corn or soybeans. But bottom line, I think you're going to have one and a half, two million acres more spring wheat. If we have a normal spring, you're going to have one and a half, two million acres more winter wheat. And other than the Southern Plains, say Colorado, Kansas, all the way down into New Mexico, it's been terribly dry in that area. They may take some hit in the yield. The soft red winter wheat yields are really look excellent. And from a moisture situation, both the U.S. and Canadian prairies have really improved their moisture profile. So I think odds are pretty good. We're going to have more of a normal North American wheat harvest next year. And if we do, you're not going to have $8 futures. We are now ready to talk about what everybody else has been talking about to end 2021 anyway. And that's what will farmers plant this spring? How much corn? How much soybeans? How much wheat? Uh, what are the acreage estimates that, that you're looking at, Al? I know that the general idea going into spring is that maybe planting less corn and more soybeans, but I've always believed, I've always heard anyway, and, and I witnessed that, you know, corn is king and it takes a lot for farmers not to plant corn. Yeah, I, I see the trade estimates, Mike, and uh, consistent with what you said, one and a half 
to 2 million acres, less corn, and the thought that that one and a half to two, I've seen guesses as much as 3 million acres being shifted over to soybeans. That's not impossible, but I don't think it's very likely. We do our own crop and acreage surveys. We're hoping to work with you on doing some of these surveys as we get into 2022. And a lot of farmers were able to purchase uh, their fertilizer ahead, inputs ahead, seed ahead, and they're going to go corn. Uh, when you look at the current corn to soybean ratio, and as we're speaking here in late December, it's about 2.27 to 1. So the price of November 22 beans is 2.27 times the price of December 22 corn. That's going to get more corn acres. That ratio is telling people to plant corn. A lot of times, two farmers will make decisions, Mike, based on what made them money last year. Mm-hmm. And last year, they made good money in both corn and soybeans, but corn profitability was anywhere from 30 to $50 per acre higher than soybeans. And, and so, I, I might also add here, Al, uh, hate to interrupt you, but uh, the fact is, over the years, psychologically, farmers just like to plant corn more than they like to plant soybeans. They, yeah. They've told, a lot of them have told me that personally. Guys have told me they think of soybeans as a damn weed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm a former employee of the American Soybean Association. They'll probably disown <laughs> me for saying that. But, uh, but, but the it's other just side, true. It's just true. Yeah. So. Uh, but they also heard the guys down south call them money beans. Yes. And that, you know, and that type of thing. So, you know, you got different attitudes. But if you're talking the central Corn Belt farmers, they're in pretty much a rotation. They've got the equipment, the fertilizer, everything for corn and soybeans. So any big change in the acreage, I think, is going to have to come in the Dakotas or the southeastern part of the U.S. where they might be going more cotton, less cotton, that type of thing. If you take uh, what I call the Interstate 80 run from Indianapolis down to, to Omaha and you go north and south of that, certainly Des Moines, Iowa, right in the middle of that. Those farmers tend to stick pretty much to their rotation and it's going to be hard pressed. They might switch, you know, a quarter section or a half section mm-hmm. if they have a, but the biggest factor that will impact Mike is going to be what kind of spring weather we have. When I've done this for 40 years, if you get early spring weather, you get more corn and more spring wheat. Okay, you get a late wet spring, you get to at the end of May, we only have half of the corn planted, you'll end up then having more soybeans. And so we can, analysts, we can, you know, do all the fancy spreadsheets and prognostications we want, but mother nature will still decide how many acres of corn and beans you're going to get. The other real wild card besides spring planting weather is prevent plant. Last couple of years, we've seen um, 2020, Early spring, almost ideal planting conditions across Dakotas, Missouri, some of the areas that have historically had a lot of prevent plant. And we have no indication of that. They've got a good soil moisture profile rebuilt across most of the Dakotas, in fact, across most of the Corn Belt. Other than the Southern Plains, if you look at the U.S. Drought Monitor, you see very few orange or red spots on that map. And so as we come into next spring, we could have, I think, you know, about 181 million acres combined of corn and soybeans. There's just isn't more land. I mean, (laughs) where are you going to find it? But when I drive outside of Des Moines or I drive outside of Minneapolis or I drive west of Chicago, we're losing 60 to 100,000 acres a year to urbanization, unfortunately. And so I think we're going to be really challenged in the future. Also, when I I crunch the numbers and I just put uh, a lot of work into an article that's going to be coming out in about uh, four weeks and successful farming on the different, you know, acreage and uh, yield is a big thing too. I mean, if you imagine with last year's crop conditions, Mike, we had a record 
national corn yield. What will the yield be next year if we have normal weather? Right. You know, so whether we have one or two million acres, more corn or less soybeans, that type of thing, long term is not as important as what yield do we get on that crop in 2022. And at this very early stage, we're coming into next year with a lot of fall tillage done, a lot of fertilizer on, and a much improved soil moisture profile. So we have the, the makings to have not only... 90, 91 million acres of corn and beans. But at this early stage, we have everything in place to have a very good yield again next year. But I'm not a weatherman, and I reserve the right to change my opinion as we get into March and April. Great points about the weather, and that will be the ultimate driver of uh, acreage estimates in 2022 in the spring. And, And as far as that yield comment, I have heard that one of the things that might bring yields down would be if farmers actually do decide to put less fertilizer on, but I, I'm in your camp. I think a lot of those decisions have already been made. Yeah, when you got five dollar corn, Mike, they're going to put fertilizer on. You know, <laughs> yeah. I just, it's not like a few years ago when we were struggling with three dollar corn and got out in Dakotas and you had an eighty cent or dollar basis. Uh, the people now have very good incentives. Also, I mean, it's fun to get out during the spring and summer and just see what a really good job they've done. We've put a lot of tile in again this fall in the upper Midwest because of the beautiful fall weather. We had people putting in tile in Minnesota, almost unheard of right up into the middle of December. And so the productivity that we have, the varieties of seed that we have, we can grow a good crop in really challenging conditions. And we talk about some of the seed varieties and improved yields. There's another factor is that we have more consistent yields. If we'd had this dry weather 10 or 20 years ago that we had in the summer of 2021, there's no way we would have had 177 bushel national average yield. There is one fly in the ointment, and that's inflation. Al will explain what you can do to manage higher costs. Stay tuned. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. We want to jump out to the outside factors uh, real quick to end this, Al, and that is inflation. It's the highest it's been in 30-some years, and I'm curious about your thoughts on how this impacts the farm markets. Inflation uh, is kind of led some critical decisions recently announced by the Federal Reserve Board, where they're going to be tapering their bond purchases. They're going to be raising interest rates twice, three times in 2022. And so the inflation is present. Um, I stopped in a gas station the other day and uh, picked up a snack. And I thought, holy cow, this used to be 99 cents. Now it's 289. <laughs> yes. You know, and, yes. and uh, go to the grocery store. I'm not complaining about it, but I certainly see it being a factor for farmers that are having to buy fuel. Farmers are paying $12 or $13, $100 per ton for the few lost loads of anhydrous. Inflation is there. Landowners are wanting a bigger rent check for next year. And so you're going to have inflation. How you manage that, I think, is a very important decision. And trying to work with your suppliers, trying to lock it in. The, the guy that's selling you the retail product, he's in a very competitive environment. And he wants to work with you to keep your business. And so working with them is a key. 
a lot of the landlords have went to more of a flex rent type program where if the revenue exceeds X number of dollars per acre, the landlord's going to get 30% of it. And so that type of thing to set up kind of a win-win contract, I can't control the price of fertilizer that I'm going to have to pay for my 22 or 23 costs. But as a producer, I can stay aware, number one, of what the prices are. And also when I make the pricing decisions, I can also decide if I'm going to offset some of that risk by selling some crop ahead. I think I talked with you back in August 21, we bought fuel and fertilizer ahead for the 22 crop. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, I had some December 22 corn right at 520 a bushel and had some new crop wheat ahead at around 780 a bushel. As we're speaking, that new crop corn hedge is about 27 cents underwater. I mean, the market's 27 cents higher than where I put the hedge on. But the price of anhydrous, I had the dollars there to do it. The ratio was right. Yeah. And so when you're looking at input expenses, you have to, first of all, try to manage them. But the other is, if you're buying high-priced fertilizer, make sure you're offsetting some of that risk by also selling some new crop ahead. And I'm not talking the whole crop, but generally, if you look at wheat, it's about 10 or 15% of your crop. On corn, it's 15 or 20% of your crop. Book the inputs at the right time, sell ahead at the right time, and year in and year out, Mike, that ratio type thinking has worked really well for me. Well, you're giving some great advice here today, Al, as you always have. And if you have farmers out there listening that would like to contact you for even more advice, how do they reach you? First of all, we look forward to seeing a lot of them down at Commodity Classic. I'll be speaking in successful farming main stage right at the opening of the trade show. So that's always a lot of fun. I see a lot of customers uh, that I've never met face-to-face from all over the U.S. Uh, you can get a trial subscription to our newsletter just by going to the website, kleistcommodityadvisors.com. 30 days, uh, get the information three times a day, a morning report, noon update afternoon report, a very detailed newsletter. So try it for 30 days, see if it works for your farm. If you like the type of information that I write about in successful farming, you're probably going to like the work that we do on a daily basis. Yeah. Again, for those uh, that may not know, Al does write a monthly article for successful farming magazine. It's called Your Profit. And uh, he's a monthly contributor to the uh, successful farming product. And also you can find his articles on agriculture.com. Al, again, it's always a pleasure to visit with you and good luck in 2022. Thanks again to Mike McGinnis and Al Kleiss for being our guest. Thanks to FMC for sponsoring the podcast and thank you for listening. For Successful Farming, I'm Jody Henke.